Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we will be discussing the readings for the 11th Sunday in Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. A Pharisee invited Jesus to dine with him, and he entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Now there was a sinful woman in the city who learned that he was at table in the house of the Pharisee. Bringing an alabaster flask of ointment, she stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with the ointment. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus said to him in reply, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people were in debt to a certain creditor. One owed five hundred days' wages, and the other owed fifty. Since they were unable to repay the debt, he forgave it for both. Which of them will love him more? Simon said in reply, The one, I suppose, whose larger debt was forgiven. He said to him, You have judged rightly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your house, you did not give me water for my feet, but she has bathed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but she has not ceased kissing my feet since the time I entered. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. So I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven because she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. He said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The others at table said to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? But he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Afterward he journeyed from one town and village to another, preaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Accompanying him were the twelve, and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chusa, Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian and I'm here today with Dawn. Hello everyone. And Dawn, we're actually together in the same room recording. I know, that's uh, so strange. Yes, especially after all the traveling that both of us have been doing. I was in Rome fixing the Pope's computer, as you and uh, (laughs) Mark pointed out. Uh, No, actually I was not doing that. Um, I would have liked to though. (laughs) I'm sure you could have. That's right. And uh, where were you before that? I can't. I'm... I went to Arizona to help that's... some friends move back. So that's right. So we've done our fair share of flying. Although yes. I bet you didn't fly with three children under the age of five. Not not in my group. No, <laughs> no. I I had I was with twelve people who acted like three children <laughs> under the age of five. But uh, no, I was with my family in Rome, and it was my yes. first time there. And oh, very nice. So it was a great experience. If um, any of our listeners have never been to Rome, I encourage you to go there, certainly. 
um, certainly for all the holy sites and for the pasta as well. Oh, yes. And, and the gelato. We had a strict rule in our family <laughs> that you were disowned if you didn't have gelato at least twice a day. Ah, it sounds but, like your kind of trip. But And I actually met up with our two seminarians while I was there and oh, nice. took them out to dinner and gelato afterwards. And one of the seminarians did not eat gelato. So I was thinking of reporting this back to the bishop because I think that's a severe formation issue. <laughs> not having, passing up gelato. I, I just don't know how you could do that. Well, you know, maybe that's a good thing just to quickly talk about the fact that we have seminarians that are in Rome. What are they doing there? Studying, I hope. Um, <laughs> they were they were in exam week when I was there, so actually they're probably done studying. They're probably thankful. Um, but yeah, they're they're there doing the they're in the theologate or the studying theology is what we call that the theologate at the North American College in Rome, and they take all their classes in Italian, and their exams can be in multiple languages. I think English most of the times, but some of them they do take in Italian as well. Um, and a lot of them, too, actually do other ministries around Rome, too. So mm. they do, um, the two that I was with were tour guides at the at St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, that'd be a good job. So, yep. I, I don't know if they get paid for Probably that or if not. it's expected <laughs> or, or how that works. But, um, but, yeah, they're out there and they're doing well and they seem to be great guys. The one is going to be coming back and doing an internship with... Um, Father Mark Brewer from ah, fame of our podcast here. Right. And the other one is still staying over there for another summer. And actually, uh, we have seminarians throughout other places. Uh, Canandaigua is getting one for the summer mm-hmm. as well, uh, Mike Costick, so Yep, and he's currently studying in Belgium. Yes, and maybe we can get him on the podcast. I think I... that's an excellent idea. <laughs> Dawn's sitting here saying she's going to take a break yeah. those three weeks, too. <laughs> Someone else's turn. Get a new voice in there. That's right. Well, let's talk about the scripture readings that we have today. Um, There seems to be a great theme of forgiveness running through our scriptures today. Um, Certainly in the first reading, we come in in the middle of the the story here where um, David has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Don loved to say Uriah the Hittite. She was saying, it's kind of like Jabba the Hutt, you know, he's, he's the Hittite, you know. <laughs> Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> and um, he had taken her, his, uh, he'd actually sent Uriah out into battle to be slaughtered and... Um, so that he could have yes. his wife, right. And then Nathan comes and points this sin out to him. And all of a sudden, David is made aware, strongly aware of his sinfulness before the Lord and how unworthy he is to even be God's servant. And what's interesting is God's response to that is one of forgiveness. And for our part, sometimes we could have just anger at that. A lot of times we might sit here and say, how can God forgive him for doing such an evil thing? Um, And yet we know that our God is a God of forgiveness. But I think there's an important point for all of us here, an important lesson, which is that it's never too late to seek God's forgiveness. And no matter what you've done, it does not mean that there's that you can't turn your life around and begin to live a life of holiness. You know, many of our great saints uh, throughout history have been people who at the beginning of their life were nothing near holy. I mean, David certainly, in this one example, we, we all know he goes out to be, you know, the greatest king of the Israelite people. And, you know, somebody who was very reverent of God and very aware of God in his life. 
Uh, St. Augustine is another great example. In his book, The Confessions, he kind of gives details of his life um, before he became a Christian and how sinful he was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just gallivanting around with women and stealing pears from trees and things (laughs) like that. And then he had this conversion experience. And as rotten as he was before is is how holy he became Mm -hmm. afterwards. And, and we see that kind of mirrored in the gospel story where we hear Jesus coming. He's got this, this woman comes to him who's a sinner. We don't know what she's done. It's not recorded what she's done. But clearly it was publicly known that this woman was a sinful woman. And she comes to Jesus and is able to make these deep acts of reverence and love. But pre- precisely because she's aware of her own sinfulness. She's not right, coming from yeah. a place of pride or something like that, which I think a lot of times we can tend to do that. We can come from places of pride, and certainly that's where Simon was coming from. And Simon, of course, was not perfect either, but it was a lot easier for him to point at this woman as being sinful and not himself. And I think that's always the trap that we tend to fall into. And it's something that's, you know, repeats itself over and over. And we've seen it throughout history. And probably if we're all honest with ourselves, we've seen it through our own lives. We tend to point to, you know, the politicians in our state Senate or point to, you know, our president or, you know, any number of public figures as being sinners. But we don't tend to point to ourselves too often for the problems. You know, we elected these people, but, you know, we kind of give ourselves a pass for that. Or, you know, that's just a political situation I'm talking. But, I mean, you could put it with any situation. We tend to look at other people and say, well, you know, look at this person. Look how bad they are. Rather than looking at our own lives and saying, how bad are we? And really there's a need for us to do that latter, to to look at our own lives. Because what you'll realize when you read the story of the saints, Don, one of the things that I've noticed is that the saints are extraordinary in their love, certainly, that they show for people. But a lot of times, the root of that love is they realize that they too are sinners. Mm-hmm. And, and not just in a pious way. So often when we say that, we say it kind of in this pious way, like, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. But in our mind, we're still thinking, yeah, but at least I'm not as bad as Father Brian, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Um, That's what I always think. Yes, well, <laughs> rightfully so. But, um, but no, what they are is they're people who are deeply aware of their own sin and their own unworthiness. And that makes them deeply aware of how dependent they are on God. Mm-hmm. Um, because we need God's forgiveness in order to live out this life um, of holiness. And until we ourselves experience God's forgiveness, we can't be beacons of it. You know, we can't give what we don't have. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. But that's really an important thing to remember is we can't give what we don't have. So if we're not looking at our own lives and seeking forgiveness, we really can't be beacons of forgiveness to other people. You know, one of the things that I liked about these the first reading and the gospel reading together is because... Aside, of, the word, aside from the word Hittite. Right, Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the fact that in the first reading, it's Nathan that's calling David to accountability. Now God tells Nathan to go do this. So, um, verse, And then in the gospel reading, this woman comes alone. And so in both of those situations, I can place myself... Sometimes there's people that call me to accountability, um, such as Nathan called David to be accountable. And then sometimes it's just like you were talking about, realizing that you're so unworthy of God's love, but he can forgive you. And and so being in those both situations. But also what I was thinking about that, but also how sometimes you don't want to receive it if someone's telling you, you know, 
maybe you should think about how you're handling the situation and and sometimes you get upset with that person but and that can also be if you're being called to call someone account accountable you might well I don't want them to be mad at me and things like that so you just have to look at both of these stories and uh, see what you can get from them. Yep. And I agree with you so much. One, I think you're right on that. The one of the, for me, the most uncomfortable thing is when other people tell me what I'm doing wrong. Cause my, my initial response is always to get defensive. You know, you know well, you're not that perfect yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, kind of but, but a lot of times too, there's truth in that. And we do need to hear that even if it comes from somebody who themselves are sinful or something, it doesn't change the fact that we're not perfect ourselves right. and we need to look at that and say, you know, how can I do better? And, you know, that that's really part of what humility is that we're called to as Christians is to recognize that we're not perfect and we need to hear that at times, that we need to ask for that forgiveness. And the other thing, like you said, is sometimes we might be called to point it out to somebody else. And of course, like you said, there's an art to that. You don't, it's, you don't just get out um, and publicly start proclaiming everybody's sinfulness. But I think it is good. And I've had to do this myself at times, um, and it can be uncomfortable. But to tell people, um, gee, how is it that uh, you can reconcile what you're doing with your Christian faith? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you do that? Now, of course, I think that when we do that, just to give some people some advice, my advice would be always to say, to do that, you do that in private. That's how scripture tells us. You go to right. the person one-on-one. -on -one. You don't tell them over the internet, you know, by po <laughs> putting a post on Facebook or something like that. Um, you know, you tell them one-on-one. Oh. -on -one. You don't do it from, you know, I don't do it from the pulpit. You know, I don't right. get up and say that. But I think it is important for us to be able to both give and receive that correction and so that we can grow in holiness. And of course, when we're giving it, we also have to make sure we're giving it from the right spirit, not from anger, but from true concern and love for the person. Right. And Don, I think we're coming, I think actually we've gone well over time on our <laughs> podcast here, but uh, hopefully people have been given something to think about, both to look at their own sinfulness, but also how they can confront others in their sinfulness in a way that's going along with our Christian way of giving feedback to people. And hopefully they'll join us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless. A reading from the second book of Samuel. Nathan said to David, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, I anointed you, King of Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your Lord's house and your Lord's wives for your own. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were not enough, I could count up for you still more. Why have you spurned the Lord and done evil in his sight? You have cut down Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You took his wife as your own, and you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah to be your wife. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan answered David, The Lord on his part has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. The word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. Blessed is the one whose fault is taken away, whose sin is covered. Blessed the man to whom the Lord imputes not guilt, in whose spirit there is no guile. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. I acknowledged my sin to you. My guilt I covered not. 
I said, I confess my faults to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. You are my shelter. From distress you will preserve me. With glad cries of freedom you will ring me round. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, you just. Exalt all you upright of heart. Lord, forgive the wrong I have done. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Brothers and sisters, we who know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. For through the law I died to the law, that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live no longer I, but Christ lives in me. In so far as I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who has loved me and given himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.